Hello, and welcome to the first ever Anchor of Beaumont podcast, where we love God and we love people. Here, we will host the audio-only version of each service so that you can listen anytime, anywhere, no matter what you're doing. Listen during your commute to work. Listen while cleaning the house. Listen while working out, even. First, we will begin the podcast with a three-part series on baptism called I Am Clean. This is taught by Pastor Jonathan Green. So let's get into it. Enjoy the message. Uh, I am clean. Baptism. Baptism. Let's see here. Uh, you're probably going to have to put on your, 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 your thinking caps today just to, just to uh, make you aware. You're going to have to put on your thinking caps today. Uh, for those of you who are watching, um, I guess most of you, there's some here, but those that are watching online, you, you may want to get something uh, to write on. You may want to even contact, contact a friend. Um, I, I, I challenge you to share this message with them because if, if you're a Christian or if you grew up in any kind of Christian church, and I've got to get resituated here, but if you grew up in any kind of Christ, Christian church, uh, you have an opinion about baptism. You have an opinion about baptism. We, we all do. We all have opinions about baptism. In fact, in fact, not only do you have an opinion about baptism, but your opinion is probably shaped almost entirely not by your study on the topic of baptism or by your capacity to take in different views, but your opinion of baptism was probably like mine as well. It's been in, probably mostly entirely shaped by the tradition that we've grown up in, to be honest with you. That's what your opinion of baptism uh, it's, it's, that's how, it's, how you formed your opinions. It's by the environment that you've been raised in. And, and the reason why I want to talk about this today is because baptism is a really big deal. It's very, very important. And I know I've been guilty of not teaching enough on this topic. Uh, we just see conversions take place and we encourage people to, to have baptism, to do baptism. We teach a Bible study and they see baptism and, the, and they, they partake in baptism. But I want to dive into this topic and begin to dissect this topic. Ultimately, my goal today is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, and if you have never been baptized, but you call yourself a Christian, then my goal is for you to be baptized. That is my goal. My goal is for you to see the Word of God so clearly where you will say, hey, Jonathan, I need to be baptized and not just identify the need, but actually follow through with the need and be baptized in Jesus' name. And hope, hopefully, after the next few minutes of us talking about this, uh, I'm hoping that you will become a little more motivated to do so. This topic of baptism can also be a very uh, emotional topic. And, and the reason it's emotional for some people is because of the way that they were raised or the way we all were raised. And so we're going to, to talk a little bit about that and it may be even a little emotional, and it can also be at times confrontational. It can be confrontational at times. You see, in all Christian organizations or all Christian churches, baptism is a part, 
a part of what we do, even though we do it differently and we do it at different times and we may even do it at different stages of life. Baptism is a very important part of what we do. The reason is because of something that Jesus said. It was his, I would say one of his most famous statements, especially if you grew up in Christianity and around the church. Uh, Here's what he said at the end of his ministry. This this kind of cues, uh, cues us into how important baptism actually is. He says, uh, In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, and I'm going to read it from the NIV. He says in verse 18, then Jesus came to his disciples and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then in verse 19, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all groups of peoples. And then here's our word baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When you look at Mark's writings, uh, Mark's writings of this same uh, great commission, Mark writes the great commission, and some say it's Peter's words. Peter's telling Mark, and Mark's writing what Peter says. In Mark 16, verse 15, you find where, where Mark 16, verse 15, you will find where, where the same great commission, Jesus said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And then verse 16, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Let me just tell you, it is very, very important for you to be baptized. Jesus made it very clear. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So for my Christian believers who believe in Jesus Christ, who have not been baptized, let me encourage you and stress to you the importance today that it is very important that you are baptized, and you are baptized in the name. Matthew said, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Let me just, just jump ahead real quick and go to part two of this series and say that Jesus did not say baptize in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he specifically said to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just titles. They are not the name. I have the title of Father, but that is not my name. I have the title of Son, but that is not my name. I even have the title as Pastor, but even then, that is not my name. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our Holy Ghost, are just titles. And Jesus said to baptize not in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he said baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And I will just be a spoiler today and tell you, because this will be next Sunday, but I will just tell you that the name of the Father is Jesus, the name of the Son is Jesus, and the name of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. John 5, 43, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. Matthew 1, 21, and she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call the Son's name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. John, uh, or 1 John 5, verse 7. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, or the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. There is only one God. Paul was saying in Ephesians 4, verse 5, there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And the name of that one God is Jesus. So when I am baptized, I am baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. When they say Jesus, they say the name of the Father, they say the name of the Son, and they say the name of the Holy Ghost as well. Amen. So now that I've done a spoiler for the next two Sundays, let me get back to today's lesson. Uh, in other words... Jesus was saying that wherever churches are planted, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Wherever churches are planted, wherever people embrace part of that personal uh, transition, part of that process is that Jesus wanted people to be baptized. It's not something that a pastor wants or necessarily a parent wants. We can desire that all we want to. This is something that Jesus desired. Now, that's where all Christians agree. We agree that people should be baptized. And then after this verse, it gets really wild. It gets crazy. It becomes divergent. It goes uh, off in all kinds of different directions. It falls off the rails. Some people say you baptize in the titles. Some people say you baptize in the name. Some say it doesn't really matter what they say over you. Some people say you're just sprinkled. Some say you've got to be dunked. Uh, some, I've even known some to spray. We'll just do a mass baptism. It happened, I saw it, and they just sprayed people. It was a video. They just sprayed people. Others say you, you simply Christian. I mean, we get off the rails with this baptism thing. And hear me, if Jesus said to be baptized... I don't think that we need to get off the rails on this baptism thing. I think we need to know what he is saying and what he is wanting for us to do. So I want to tell you not only what the scripture teaches today about baptism, but I want to, to talk about what we've also learned from history about baptism as well. Because when you put those two things together, history and, and scripture together, or scripture and history together. This should not be a really a confusing topic at all. And once again, my agenda, because I do have an agenda today. My agenda is at the end of this series that if you say you are a Christian and you have never been baptized that way that Jesus and the scripture 
tells us to be baptized, then my agenda is that you would obey the scripture and you would be baptized or maybe even be re-baptized. Now, to begin our discussion, uh, the little Greek word that is in your English Bible, I love that, the little Greek word that is in your English Bible, and I almost used that as my title today of this first part, the little Greek word in your English Bible. But if I did that, there's a whole bunch of little Greek words in your English Bible. So I didn't. But the little Greek word today that I'm going to talk about that is in your English Bible that is translated baptism or baptize is the little Greek word called baptizo. 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 Say that, just say that in your in your homes. You're learning Greek right now. Baptizo. If you're here today with me, a technician or a senior musician, just say baptizo, baptizo. Now, now you probably know this, but the New Testament was originally written in Greek. It was originally written in Greek. And so when scholars uh, got the Greek New Testament and began to translate it into English, which I am so very thankful that they did, uh, they would do a one-to-one translation many times, a one-to-one translation. So, for example, when they saw the word theos in Greek, they would write the word God. Or when they saw the word uh, or derivative of the word luo, and I don't know if I even said that right, but L-U-O, it, it's a verb. They would write the word uh, loose or free. We sang about freedom today, luo. And, and so they would. Whatever the Greek word was, they would just put the English word there, but there were a couple of words that didn't quite make the translation list. And one of those words is the word baptizo, baptizo. You see, in your English Bible, when you see the word baptizo, it's actually not a translation of the word. It's what's called a transliteration of a word. Now, now, just for the four or five of you online and maybe the one or two here today who don't know what a translation is, here's what a transliteration is. A transliteration is when in a language you take a word from one language and instead of translating it, you take the letters of the language and you just transfer those letters into a different language. So instead of translating this word, Here's what they did. They, they went beta or beta, B. Alpha, A. We can go through this whole word. They went through the whole, through the whole base of the Greek alphabet. And they took the English equivalent of each of these Greek letters. Omega, O. Zeta, Z. They, they took the equivalent of these letters and they created an English word, the word that we know as baptize. But the problem with this is that the word baptize in English is a very religious word. I mean, we use it for other things as well, but at its core, baptize is a religious word in English. But in the first century, this was not a religious word. Baptizo was a very common word. In fact, here's what it meant. It meant mostly to wash. It meant to plunge, to soak, or to dip, or immerse. And throughout Greek literature, 
you find this word describing people who drowned, who drowned. You find it describing uh, uh, ships that went down. Uh, a lot of times, it's just used to describe the bathing or the washing, cleansing process. As a matter of fact, for an example, one of the most famous uh, uh, examples uh, that goes back to 200 B.C. is a philosopher named Decanter. And actually, he wrote a recipe for making pickles. You heard me, pickles. And, and this recipe, ha recipe has survived the ages. And in this recipe, he uses the word baptizo twice. He says, you take the vegetable and you baptizo it in boiling, in boiling water, and then you baptizo it in vinegar. And then the pickle was saved. That was a joke. The pickle wasn't saved, but that was part of the, the uh, process of making pickles. Uh, pickles. In, in other words, he's just using this very common Greek term, baptizo, because in common language, it really just meant to wash, to plunge, to soak, to immerse, or to dip. Now, here's what really gets confusing. It gets confusing, but, but you can follow me on this. In your English Bibles, which is a translation of the Greek text, the Greek translators sometimes translate it baptizo as wash. And then sometimes they transliterated it as baptize. So when they got to the Greek word, they would just say, oh, that means wash. So in your English Bible, your English version, sometimes it says wash. But then sometimes they saw baptizo and they said, no, let's transliterate it now. Let's, let's, let's make it baptize. Now that makes it a little bit of confusing for us. But allow me to show you some examples in your Bible from your New Testament of where it's not transliterated into the word baptize. It's just actually translated as the word wash. In, Matthew, or in Mark chapter 7, Mark chapter 7, verse number 4, Jesus was talking about uh, religious leaders. And he said in Mark 7, verse 4, that when they, the religious leaders, when they come from the marketplace... They do not eat unless they, and what is the word? Wash. Wash. Greek says, go look at it in Strong's, it says baptizo. What, what, what do you mean, Jesus? Do you mean that they need to get baptized every time they eat? No, that's not what he says. It just means wash. That when they come from the marketplace, they don't need to eat unless they Wash. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been screaming this. We've heard it screamed to us the last three weeks of quarantine or four weeks of quarantine. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Or baptize your hands. Baptize your hands. Baptize your hands. Yeah. Not a spiritual baptism with your hands, but just clean your hands. Just like we wash or dip or soak or cleanse our hands, he goes on to say this. And they observe, Mark 7, verse 4, and they observe many other traditions such as the, here we go, baptizo of cups. Baptizo of cups and pitchers and kettles. The word that is used to describe washing cups and pitchers and kettles is our word, and it's a derivative of the word baptizo, ladies and gentlemen. Simply put it this way, after lunch today, 
You are to baptize your dishes. Well, just wash, all right? Don't make it spiritual, and I'll show you the difference here. There's one time the Bible states in Luke chapter 11, verse 38, that the Pharisees were surprised uh, when, when uh, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Now, now, was he concerned that Jesus didn't get baptized? Because that's the Greek word there, baptizo. Was he concerned that Jesus didn't get baptized before the meal? Of course not. He simply just noticed that Jesus, like some of us sometimes, didn't wash his hands before his meal. And what word did he use? He used the word baptizo. So this was a very common word in our English Bibles. Sometimes it's translated as wash, as it should, and sometimes it is transliterated as baptized. But you have to define the transliteration by the actual translation, which simply means to wash. Simply put, the transliteration cannot take away the meaning of the translation, which is to clean, to wash. So then that leads us to this question, which I know mentally many of you are, are already way ahead of me on this. And the question is simply this. Well, then how in the world did this very common word that simply means to wash or to immerse, to dip, how did it take on a theological or religious meaning or have religious connotations? In other words, why then the English translators, when they got to this word that means wash, why didn't they just put wash there? I mean, why didn't, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, why did he say this? Go ye therefore and teach all the world and make disciples, washing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the, of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if they had translated the word, that's what it would have said. And let's just be honest, that would be really weird. Go make disciples and wash them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that would be weird. Washing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. Scrubbing them. Dipping them. What, what, what's he talking about? Well, allow me to explain how this common word, baptizo, began to take on some religious meaning. You see, a long time before Jesus, back in the Old Testament period, and then through the period that followed the Old Testament, as most of you know, there are about 400 years between the Old Testament and the, the, the New Testament. And, and during that time, people, Gentiles, like most of us watching today, they would visit Palestine, they would, they would visit Judea, and they would visit Israel and, and Jerusalem, or, or, or they would come in contact with someone who, who was Jewish, and, and they, they just thought that Jewish people were maybe just awesome. Who knows? And they noticed that Jewish people only had one God, because there is only one God. And, and they, they noticed that the Jewish people were the only monotheistic religion in that part of culture and, and in that part of history. And, and so they appreciated that, that, that the Jewish religion. And, and many Gentiles wanted for some reason or another, they wanted to become 
Jewish. And they would come to the outer core, and then they would try to worship like the Jews, and they would go into the synagogues of the Jews and in other parts of the world. And they would basically ask, now I'm going to make it 21st century, they would basically ask, can I join your church, or, or can I become a member? How do I take first steps, basically? The next, what, what, what do I do? I, I mean, they didn't ask you just like that, but, but they would simply say, is there any way that I can become Jewish even though I wasn't born a Jew? And so through the years, different Jewish leaders came up with a system by which some Gentiles like us could actually become Jewish. Now, they could not be born again Jewish, obviously, but they could begin to act like a Jew, live like a Jew, dressed like a Jew, and even worship like a Jew. They created this system through, through which a person had to go through, or, or should I say a process uh, that a person had to go through in order to become Jewish. Now, different literature had different lists of things that a Gentile would have to do. But when you put all these together through the various stages of time, basically there was this list of things that somebody had to do. And so if you were a Gentile and you lived 200, 300 years before Jesus, or if you lived in the first century and you wanted to become Jewish, here's what you would have to do. Men, you would have to have a little surgery to become Jewish. First thing was circumcision. Now let me explain that, circumcision. Circumcision is a process by, well, I think you already know. Okay, so, so anyway, we won't talk about that in great detail here. But at first, a man would have to be circumcised. And then you would have to, to have a covenant meal that somehow reflected the essence of Passover or, or maybe some other covenant meal. And then possibly you would have to acknowledge the Old Testament uh, as the law. And, and even basically, you would have to surrender yourself to the law of Moses, and, and you would have to say, I'm going to do what the law says. And, and in some cases, you had to memorize portions of that law. In some cases, you may have begun memorizing all of that law, even as an adult. But essentially, becoming Jewish meant that the law of your life was the law of God as revealed to Moses. Now, the other thing that you would have to do is make a sacrifice. This varied from time uh, from time period to time period. But, but then in all of these lists of things, uh, you, you would have to do, as a Gentile, to become Jewish, uh, you would have to take part in a ceremonial washing or ceremonial cleansing. Now, this ceremonial washing was something that you did alone. No one washed you. It was a ceremonial washing. And here's what it represented. It represented, I am cleansing myself of my Gentileness, which is a sermon in and of itself. Or I am cleansing myself of my sin. I'm cleansing myself of my old way of life. And as I become new, I am identifying with Judaism and the God of the Jews. Now again, no one did this for you or to you. You did this by yourself. In parts of the world where Jews were predominantly Greek-speaking Jews, uh, the term they would associate with the ceremonial washing was, you ready for this? You guessed it, baptizo. Basically, they, they would usually put an adjective in front of it. It was some kind of washing, a ceremonial washing. 
so people would know it's different than just washing your dishes. This had a religious connotations. So in that Jewish mind, they understood that there was a ceremonial washing. In fact, there were several kinds of ceremonial washings, as alluded to in the verses that I just showed you. But the word baptizo was simply a secular word that was used to describe a ceremonial washing, specifically as it related to becoming a Jewish person and leaving your Gentileness behind. So now, with that as the backdrop, in about 3 AD, something crazy really happened. One day, a wild-eyed, my mind, crazy man, barefoot and maybe wore sandals, smelled like he had never had a bath, maybe wearing animal skin. We know he ate locusts and wild hunting. He showed up by the Jordan River and he started preaching. And his message was real simple. You could put it on a three by five note card. It was repent, repent, repent. We got that. What else, John? Repent, repent, repent. That was it. His name was John. Now, John said to the Jewish people, God is about to do something unique in our midst. God is about to do something brand new. And when God does something brand new, it doesn't look like the old thing. Hear me, I said it before we ever went into quarantine. We ask God to do a new thing, and then we get upset when it doesn't look like the old thing. Here's John saying, God is about to do something brand new that's never been done before. And if you're not right with God, you're going to miss it. If you're not right with God when God does it, you're not going to see it. I mean, this is his sermon here. He's going to show up in our midst and you're going to miss it. And I know you're already Jewish, but that's not good enough. He would say this. John would say, I know you are a child of Abraham, but your heritage is not good enough. He would say something like this. I know that you worship at the temple and you make sacrifices, but that's not good enough. You need to get your lives in line with the teaching and the law of God. Oh yeah, basically, knock it off. Knock it off, repent, repent, quit standing, repent, surrender your life to God. That's what he's saying. That's what John's message was. But then John did the strangest thing. He went down into the Jordan River and he said, if you are ready to repent, I want you to come down into the water with me. And people would begin to line up and they would, they would begin to, 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 to stand in that line. And John did the strangest thing back then. We don't, know, we don't really know exactly how he did it, but whatever he did, it looked like some kind of ceremonial washing. I personally believe he baptized. He immersed. He cleansed. He's, he immersed. He dunked. And so when they went to describe what John was doing, guess what term they used? They used the term baptizo because the Jewish people understood that he's not washing off their dirt. He's somehow associating this washing with the message that he's preaching, that this is something new. Just like a Gentile would become a Jew through a ceremonial washing. So somehow us Jews now are becoming something different through this ceremonial washing that John is doing. And so after a while, 
John got a nickname, didn't he? His nickname was the Baptist. His name was John. And, 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 and we thought his last name was Baptist, didn't you? Yeah, you thought his name was Baptist, but no. He was known as John the Baptist or, in, or, or John the Baptizer. And, and, and in Greek, here's how it would look. The English word with a couple of Greek words. Now check this out. And I'll tell you why this is important in just a second. But it says, John, ho, ho, is thee. Isn't it interesting? In your English Bible, I know it doesn't say ho, ho, is thee to you, but it does in the Greek. When the translators got to the word ho, they didn't put ho in the Bible. They put thee because it's a translation, right? But when they got to the word uh, for baptistas, baptizo, baptizo, baptistas, they actually put baptist. Now, here's what's cool. This is a derivative of the word baptizo, baptistas is. Baptistas, hear me now, is never, ever used in any other literature except Christian literature. That's what they say. This term originated in the Greek New Testament. And here's what it tells us. It tells us that when people saw what John was doing, John the Baptist, what he was doing, they didn't have a word for it. No one has ceremonial washed another person. In Jewish culture, you always did that yourself as a symbol of the fact that you were dying to your Gentileness and coming alive in Jewishness, if that's even a word. This had never been done before, so they didn't know what to call it. So he became John the washer, really. John the washman. John the scrubber. John the dipper. John the immerser. John the baptizer. It's just, it's like they just had to make this up. So the only time you ever see this in Greek terminology, it is associated with Christianity beginning in the first century because this was something brand new and people would line up and John would baptizo them. He was John the Baptista or John the baptizer. This was something new. Well, one day, Read your Bible. John was baptizoing or baptizoing all these people, washing them. They're going, they're, they're going, going, going through this thing. And, and imagine this moment with me. This is one of the, those moments in the New Testament that, that I wish I could just go back to. I wish I could have been on the banks of that Jordan River. John's all wet by water. People are lining up, and he stops. And he looks up on the bank and he says, behold. And everybody stopped what they were doing and they looked. That's what behold meant. It meant look. I mean, John just shouts with an exclamation, look. And they all turn and they look. And John says, behold, or look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Hey, guys, you know the one that I've been talking about? Guys, you know what I've been saying, that he was before me, but he's coming after me, that he isn't here yet, but he's going to get here. I mean, just because he gets here now doesn't mean he wasn't before me. He just hadn't showed up yet. That guy, it's like, did anyone even understand what John was saying? In fact, the Pharisees would come to John. I mean, John was so amazing as a pastor, preacher, John the Baptist, the, the Pharisees came to John the Baptist and they said, are you the Messiah? 
I mean, John was so good. He goes, are you kidding me? I, I'm not the Messiah. I, I'm just a spokesperson. I'm just a forerunner. Behold, look. And when they beheld, when they looked, they saw the Lamb of God. And here comes that lamb, Jesus Christ. He comes down into the river and he says to John, and this amazing thing, he says, watch this. He says, John, I need you to baptizo. I need you to wash me. Well, well, no wonder John the Baptist said, are you kidding me, Jesus? I'm not going to wash you. I mean, what am I going to wash you of? You should be washing me, if, if there is a sinner here, Jesus, it is me. I'm not even too, too worthy to, to lace up your sandals, and, and much less wash you, much less baptizo you, much less somehow get you to identify with me. And Jesus said, no, John, it's necessary. It's necessary that you baptize me. And why? Because here is what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that his people watched. He knew if he allowed John to baptize him, he was identifying or affirming or confirming the message of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist, the sinner, baptizes, washes Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. And the people on the bank of the river, they had, surely, they had no idea the significance of what was taking place. But then something even stranger happened. Then Jesus and his disciples began baptizing people. They began washing people. And apparently, according to Scripture, it says Jesus never baptized anyone, but his followers would. So when someone listened to the message of Jesus, they in their heart would say, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe he's come from God. I believe he's the one that he's waiting for. We've been waiting for. They would then line up and Jesus' disciples would baptize them. They would baptize them as public evidence of the fact that they were lining up with and they believed in the message of Jesus. This was prior to the burial of Jesus. In fact, there's an account in the book of Acts of some people who were baptized by John, who left that region after they were baptized, or baptized after the baptism of John. And they found out years later that Jesus had come. And in Acts 19, we'll talk about it in the next two weeks, they were re-baptized. Why would they be re-baptized? Here's the reason why. Because baptism was an identification with someone and their message. They identified the first time with the message of John. That's why they were baptized after John's baptism. But when they heard about the message of Jesus, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, they were re-baptized in the name of Jesus because they identified with the baptism and the message of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, there was a whole, the whole Jewish ceremonial aspect of it, of being cleansed, of moving on, and leaving something behind. So that's how baptism was launched. And I'll bring this to a close here shortly. John the Baptist was the first baptizer. It was in reference to the coming of Jesus. Jesus and his guys, his disciples, began to baptize after that. And then when Jesus left the earth, right before he left, he said, okay, if you don't remember anything else 
that I say, I want you to tell everybody this right here. I want you to get everybody to subscribe to this way of thinking. That when they become my disciple, they become my follower, it's not enough that they make a decision on the inside. I want to see evidence of that on the outside. I want you to baptize them. So that's how this whole thing happened. To sum it up all real quick, I'll give you three quick statements. Baptism then. It's a public declaration of a new association. It's a public declaration of a new association. That's what it is. It's a public declaration. Baptism is a public declaration. I am going public with the one who I am identifying with. I am going public with my faith of my new association. I'm now associating with the message and the person of Jesus Christ. But it's more than that. Secondly, baptism is a personal declaration of a new association. It's not just a public declaration, but it's also a personal one as well. In the New Testament, people who are baptized are people who decided on their own to be baptized. That's one reason why we don't baptize infants. This is why we don't baptize children who don't quite understand what they are doing. I've had parents ask me, Pastor Jim, will you just baptize my child? And I've said, not till they understand because they have to, to make that decision for themselves. And if you read the New Testament, and if you follow history, baptism was the evidence of something that had happened on the inside. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I will demonstrate my belief. I will have obedient faith, not just faith that there is a God but I will have obedient faith, obedient faith. Peter would put it this way, repent and be baptized. Who did he say that to? He said it to the crowd in Acts chapter two, to the crowd that he preached to. What was the message that he had declared? He had said, you have crucified Jesus Christ. You have buried Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ didn't stay buried, he rose again. And the Bible says when they heard this, verse 37, they were convicted, pricked in their heart. And they said, what do we do? And Peter said, repent. Well, why didn't he say believe? The reason why he didn't tell them to believe is the reason why they crucified Jesus Christ was because they did not believe that he was the Messiah. But when they said, what shall we do? It was a, a turning point. It showed that they now believed. And Peter said, you don't just believe in the Messiah. You have obedient faith in the Messiah. You identify with the Messiah. You repent. That was the message of John and Jesus. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, watch this, Jesus Christ. Matthew standing up with Peter according to Acts chapter 2. Notice, Peter didn't say in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he said in the name of Jesus Christ because they knew the name of Jesus. They knew he was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the cleansing, the washing of your sins. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For that promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And what happened? The Bible says, and they that gladly received his word were baptized right then. Over 3,000 
were baptized right then. They identified with the message that Peter preached. And what was that message? That Jesus Christ loves you, that Jesus Christ died for you, that Jesus Christ wants to save you, and there is the promise of the Holy Spirit that is for you. And so those Jewish people who had already been ceremonial cleansed by their law, they said, we identify with that message. We'll be baptized in Jesus' name. If you read the New Testament, you follow history. Baptism was a public evidence of something that had happened on the inside. So consequently, baptism is a personal declaration. And this is when a person is ready to make that decision and say, I will be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Don't just put the word Christian on me. No, I will identify with his death and repentance. I will identify with his burial and baptism, and I'll identify with his resurrection by my spirit being filled, or me being filled with his spirit. And the last one, as the team gets ready, the last one is this, and this is where we'll pick up our series next week. Baptism is your identification with not only the burial of Jesus Christ, but with Jesus Christ himself. You identify with both with the burial but not just the burial. You identify with Jesus Christ himself. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Paul writes to the church, to believers, and he says this. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. We just had Easter last Sunday. We, we celebrated resurrection. But you can have your own resurrection. But before you have your own resurrection, you've got to have your own death. And with your own death, there has to be your own burial. But you're not buried in your name. No, you're buried in Jesus Christ. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Verse number four says, we were therefore buried with Jesus Christ through baptism into death. In order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we too may live a new life. And I am so thankful that I have been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. Next week, we're going to talk more about the name. We're going to talk more about who Jesus is, how baptize, what baptism does for us. We just set the stage today. But if you have not been baptized in Jesus' name, I encourage you, we're ready. Today's a great day for you to be baptized in Jesus' name. Send us a message. Call the church. Send a message on Facebook. That'd be the best way. Just send us a message on Facebook. If you want to know more about baptism and more of what I've said, if, if you want to sit down and have a conversation with one of our staff pastors or even myself about this topic, we would love to do that with you. It's not too late. Today is a good day to be baptized in Jesus' name. Don't log off just yet. I've asked the praise team to come back and I've asked them to sing this song. It's called I Am Clean. And while they're coming, I want to pray over you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now.
I pray for this online audience, and even the audience that was in this house, our technicians, musicians, and singers. I pray, God, that we would not just be Christians in name only, but that there are people who have never been baptized in Jesus' name. Let them realize, man, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. And I pray, God, that you would do such a work in our lives. Let revelation come to us even now. Even now, let revelation come to us. And let us be bold to share this message. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just let the, this word that I've taught you today sit in your heart and marinate while they sing this song. God bless you in Jesus' name. On behalf of everyone here at The Anchor, we want to thank you for listening today. If you enjoy this message, there are a few things that you can do to help support the podcast. First, please share this podcast on Facebook or directly to your friends. And also, leave a review on the platform that you're listening from. Also, if you have any questions about the message or want more information, please find us on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message. We are happy to help you in any way that we can. See you next week.